Hey everybody, this is your host Jeremy. I want to take a quick second at the beginning of the episode here just to let you know that we have launched a Patreon to support the show. Check us out at patreon.com slash giving the mic. Your contribution helps us cover hosting costs, edit costs, and even some equipment upgrades. Patreon is a way that you can automatically support the show each month with a donation as little as a dollar. $5 every month gives you access to regular premium episodes as well as the backer-only special cat photo email list. You can actually see the cats of the host that you can hear in the background. Once again, that is at patreon.com slash giving the mic. I thank you, or my co-hosts thank you, and the cats thank you. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Because I was I, I'm telling you, I, I went and saw time. there's this group that I love. Called, they're called the Hot Club of Cowtown. They play hot jazz, but they also like do it. God, I can't. I I, I haven't heard that name in forever. They're the ter- Hot Club of How, Hot Club of hot, Cowtown. Hot Club of Cowtown. So they're an interesting group because they do like what's called hot jazz. So like Django Reinhardt is like oh, one of the primary really? examples of hot jazz. But that's but like they, 1920s level. Yes, like, it's awesome. Yes. It, it's great. I love it. But they also mix in Western swing, which is really really fun. But wow. I went and saw them. There's this new jazz club where the there's a the Jack London, you know, the bar underneath the Rialto, the pool, the pool hall in mm-hmm. Portland, right? Which is um, surprisingly still open. They well, they they've turned it into a jazz club mm-hmm. uh, underneath, and and it's a great place to have a jazz club. But 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 this this sound guy was awful, and it's like he like it didn't seem like he didn't know what he was doing. But it's like this, it seemed like he didn't know how to mic a because they're a three piece group. It's just a bass, a guitar, and a woman who plays fiddle and sings. Yeah. And uh, it just sounded awful for about 20, 30 minutes of their set. You know, sucks, I mean, yeah. they played for two hours, which is great. You just didn't but... know how to make the girl that played sings and plays. Well, I don't know what his deal was, but but the, here's the thing: is like there was a local group. There's this guy named Mel Brown who's who's a who's a jazz drummer. He's a local. I mean, he he's a he's hot shit. Like, is like he, he cute? Well, I mean, if you if you like older gentlemen, yeah, I, I would okay. say. I mean, he's well put together, and he's an excellent jazz drummer. If that if that gets your 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 Maybe. if that gets your fire roaring, gets the floodgates open. But <laughs> amorous hour with Natasha. Um. Anyway, um, he played with like Stevie Wonder. He played with a bunch of Motown groups. I mean, he's a big deal. Uh, and his group played, and they sounded terrific because they play there probably once a week, I would guess. And then the other group, just the guy, just fucking fell asleep, like trying to. Trying he probably to... just got too distracted by his girlfriend or his. <sighs> beer not being ordered well he looked like kyle gas from um tenacious d so (laughs) so i don't i didn't see a girlfriend in the in the vicinity oh uh, it's even worse then anyway sorry enough about jazz welcome to giving to the mic to the wrong person it's me jeremy no i meant sorry (laughs) and we're on a rare rare late night recording session here uh (coughs) we're a little toasty uh, two guests have joined me once again. Guests, please introduce yourself to the listening audience, if you would. I'm Natasha. I'm a resident fangirl and the worst person on this podcast. I'm Garrett, and uh, I always thought of myself as the worst person on this podcast. And Until you met I, me. I'm going to challenge you to a duel. Uh, yes. I'm also a Pisces. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio. And we're recording uh, in a rare uh, week, late weeknight recording, just because I, uh, uh, as usual, forgot to plan these things, and then uh, our original guest fell through, or, well, not so much fell through, more like needed more advance notice than my forgetful last got uh, rumored to give them. So, we had a last little minute, and they were up for coming over to record something, seeing as how everyone's schedule won't be working out for a bit, and so we wound up after a lot of, like, topic ping-ponging. Uh, among other things, um, I got everybody to watch. We all watched, <laughs> sat he down. You didn't have to get us there. We all wanted to watch yep. the new yep. Star Trek. We all watched the, yep, the first little Star Trek pilot opening prologue thing for Discovery, the little two-parter. So um, having just finished that, oh, and this is an extremely spoiler-heavy show. If you're, but I mean, if you're listening to this, you've probably, you know, you've probably, you more than likely have seen it already. If not, uh, feel free to listen in and... Um, 
Yeah. So Please this is kind of cla- classic yourself. giving the mic that we're right. just yeah. talking a bit of uh, about some just nerd shit. We okay. are the wrong people for the Star Trek podcast, aren't we? Um, uh, there's there, uh, given the number of Star Trek podcasts out here out there, I think we're just fine. I cosplay as Tasha Yar, and also I want to do an Andorian eventually, so I think I have a little bit of credibility. You seem to know a lot about Star Trek. How uh, how how amenable are you to bl- uh, a lot of blue makeup? Lots and lots of blue makeup. Actually, I want to douse myself in blue makeup and and i want to make the ant like the antlers for the andorians that actually move in bi-directional so that you can actually make them like mm-hmm. seem like cool antennae mm-hmm. i feel like you could have you could have some little goo in your hands that you could when you move your hands they could move i think that's how they make them work in real cosplay mm-hmm. that whereas i think i my only only star trek cosplay i've ever been was the zombie walk in 2009 where i went as a zombie red shirt man mm-hmm. red shirt crewman very appropriate I, I wasn't there for that but i i remember uh photographs of that yeah that was fun all red shirts will die um one well i mean hell at, at some point we all will unless you know unless we uh, live on forever in syndication speaking of syndication uh think before we get launch into the our thoughts on to well this is, this is a kind of like reaction cast as it were also i guess we can do a general star trek cast because you know no time like the present um do you want to do you want me to explain my history with star, with star trek if you would please i would absolutely love that um so i am a late come trekker and uh that is in my late 20s 30s so i finally watched all of the series except for the next generation all the way through i am going to be the first to say that i've watched the first three seasons of next generation but i haven't continued through it i watched the fun stuff that you all can quote um but my favorites are obviously deep space nine because that is when roddenberry was dead and he no longer cared about war they know they, the writers no longer cared about war and they couldn't make it a taboo subject anymore so they had a ptsd episodes and then we have voyager which i've watched all the way through, which is great, but the first season suck. And then... And that's the one with the space mom? Yeah, space mom. Okay. Uh, it, we call her cats in mommy pants. And there's there's coffee in that nebula. You have to do the New England accent. I don't know how to do that very uh, well. Mid-Atla- the Mid-Atlantic. Like the Pepperidge mm-hmm. Farm remembers that, that. Exactly. And do that when say coffee in the <laughs> nebula. Um, and then I've watched Enterprise twice now. And Enterprise is my favorite. I am that girl... That has listened to the Enterprise opening song over and over again. And you have, you're you going to have to cut to that, Jeremy. You're going to have to cut to it. It's been a long road Getting from there to here He's shaking his head right now. He does not want to put that cut now. in there. <laughs> Enterprise debuted if uh, around the same month as September the 11th. So that's... Um, that's some good dating still- for you because when that sound like i'm sure when that when that fucking opening song played people were like crying and being like why is this my new star trek why do i have to why do i have to put up with this every fucking week it was a it was kind of like it was a very proto a very pro this was before upn and the wb combined into the cw and it was a very uh it was most of you have heard this who have or listening to now you've probably heard it, remember how it was a very proto cw opening theme for the early aughts. Well, my favorite part of that, uh, like, I'm going to introduce you here a little bit. I'm sorry. But the best part of that opening season of Enterprise was the fact that they rubbed decontamination gel all over themselves. Nice. And it was like glitter gel from like Victoria's Secrets. (laughs) And they had to put it on the, they had to put it on the dog because Admiral Archer has a dog, a beagle. A beagle, yeah. Yeah. And it's actually referenced in the new Trek, like the new movies. That he has a dog, and mm-hmm. and Scotty, who is now played by you know Simon Pegg, Simon Pegg, um, was like I accidentally transported the dog into a different world. <laughs> anyway, so decontaminate gel on a dog, and it's all Victoria's Secret stuff under a blue light, and it's they're rubbing it all over each other. <laughs> is it, it? Is it anything like it's in, Baywatch style? Okay, I was wondering it's if bad. it was like. Do you remember the second Matrix movie where they have this kick-ass yep. rave at the beginning yep, the for no reason? Yep. The rave orgy, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was so it's bizarre. It's basically that, but with decontaminate gel. All over, like, I oh. Keep saying that word over and over and over. <laughs> oh, and we, yeah, no, we've cast the, uh, the, the, instead of 
they've they followed up from voyagers to like okay the the um the standout like you know hot member of the crew is also you know we're gonna have the we're gonna have the the hot i the hot i hot outsider alien mm-hmm. hopes if i pronounce that correctly only this time instead of instead of her being kind of a reconditioned borg she's gonna get okay screw it you know we'll, we'll have like we'll help she'll be a hot lady vulcan she's a vulcan mm-hmm. and to paul is one of my favorite characters in all of star trek and i have to say like she does Jol- jolene blaylock yes. and she stands very tall and like speaks really smoothly and like has this whole kind of like standoffish vibe to her i love it and mm-hmm. she has the best relationship with trip like so okay i'm a i'm just outing myself as a trip into Paul shipper right now but like it's trip was trip the, trip's uh, the engineer oh he's the engineer not the yeah. not the redneck doctor okay he well no the red he's not he's the redneck engineer and the doctor is flocks and Phlox is like the neoliberal, okay. like uh, glasses wearing, like cool doctor. I don't know if he's not like he's not only really neoliberal, but he was like the same guy that played certain parts of like shows in the nineties, like that. I can't remember the actor's name, but you'll have to look it up. I'm totally lost. So <laughs> Sorry, this, this is actually Watch Enterprise. I, it is fucking I, porn I, for eyes, and there's like a terrorist attack on florida which is like the, <laughs> the most ridiculous shit you've ever heard of yeah no one no one wants to attack florida no one um, yeah i feel like when you're talking about this like i've been i've been <laughs> you're like what i've Why? been i've been star trek transported <laughs> into a world into world. a conversation i'm about... flipping you off right now you can't see this in the audience but i'm flipping garrett off mm-hmm. what what did i do wrong nothing never mind nothing at all nothing at all why am i getting because let's uh, talk about the goddamn show okay we'll talk about the show well let's talk about you okay garrett your particular history uh your your uh particularly start particular star trek history darmok and not yeah darmok and is it damrock or darmok Darmok and jalad and jalad tanagra that's that's an episode i like a lot so i have and it shouldn't if, if anyone's listened to the show it shouldn't come as a surprise probably the least experience with star trek uh, I like it. I, 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 I've always enjoyed watching it, but I've never really, you know, you know, really barnacled on to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, but mostly what I've seen is Next Generation and then a, and, and a good chunk of the original series. And then I, the one I liked the best, though I didn't watch very much of it, was Deep Space Nine. Yeah. And then I have watched n- n- no other bit of it. Uh, I saw the first reboot movie, enjoyed it, and then haven't seen any of the other reboots. Films. That's cool that you haven't seen any of the reboot movies because a lot of people would say that would be you're better off for them. I'm better off for having for not, not having, having not seen them. Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't know, but I I, I uh, um I just I just don't have like sci-fi was not like a thing that my family was interested in, you know. So I was the most interested in it, and and as talking to people who like sci-fi, I was not very interested in it. Well, evi- I, evidently. I grew up in a Star Wars family, so you weren't allowed to watch Star Trek. Oh, shit. Because Star Wars was more important. How about you, Jeremy? I went to space camp when I was 13. Even better. And got my first my got my got first set of Lego space, uh, of classic, Lego classic space Legos when I was six years old. So it's kind of, um, and then before this was, and then eventually went off to Ann Arbor to go get an aerospace engineering degree. That's what I was so, just about to say. You have yeah. an aerospace engineering degree, right? So it was kind of, um, it's kind of in my blood. Uh, my background, my dad loved the stuff. My dad was mass, uh, dad was an English teacher. Also, um, yeah, uh, my dad. You know, now we're you know he's now retired. He and my mom are retired teachers living uh, outside of Knoxville. Uh, always into the stuff. Uh, I grew up watching it, uh, watching original series and syndication. Cool. Was, was a was the perfect age for. Also, you know, watched original. You know, watched original series and syndication. Uh, we had HBO growing up, so I watched all the movies on HBO. Um, it was the perfect age when Next Gen started. When I right when I was in junior high, and I can remember my very first Star Trek convention that we went to in Novi, Michigan, with my dad and my younger brother and I. In God, this would have been, I think, like spring of '88 or so. Wow. '88, '89, or no, or right so. Right before the Next Generation started in '89, right? It was the first season. Yeah. First, yeah, first season or so. So it was, um, and then, uh, you know, but my thing was. 
Yeah, no, my series, my series was Next Generation because it was kind of the that was my arc. It just came out at the perfect spot for you. Yeah, I think, and it it ended right as um, I think right as you know my junior senior year of of, of high school, and then um, I think after that, the other series was only watched a little you know watched Deep Space Nine on and off, but it, like when I once I went off to undergrad, um, I barely watched any syndicated TV. Most of, I mean I was mainly watching like. You know Conan O'Brien and Comedy Central and MST3K. I think we're all in that phase of watching Comedy Central as a thing. Yeah, and um, so barely, you know, barely watched DS9. Barely saw only like a handful of episodes of Voyager. Uh, I can't believe you have not watched Voyager all the way through. Um, it's a dark, dark time, but yeah, the, uh, that's, that's probably why. Uh, also, uh, in bar- and I think, and I remember, and I don't, the only reason I remember Enterprise when that started was that I had been, I was unemployed. Had moved, uh, my lease had ended, had moved home to the parents' house in, back in Flint, and my brother and I watched like the first couple of, like, first couple episodes about that. That was, you know, like I said, August, September of 2001. Yeah. And those so were some dark times. It was a weird time. And also that show, it, that, again, we'll have to cut into the fucking music because you'll appreciate it, Garrett. It's so fucking awful. I hope so. Mm-hmm. It's, a, uh, it's a dude with an acoustic. Yep. Okay. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's I can sing it when I'm drunk, but I'm not quite drunk yet. Yeah. Um, sing it anyway. Just no. kidding. Don't sing it. Um, <laughs> not gonna happen. Just the name of the the name of the song is "Faith of the Heart." Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's 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 that sounds actually that sounds perfect. Yeah, that's there's there is a you reason. Know, I wrote a song called "Faith of the Heart." There, Just kidding. I didn't. There's a reason why Enterprise only got four seasons instead of the. the, the hmm. Is that Bon Jovi? <laughs> no, you couldn't. UPN didn't have Bon Jovi money. They just got his Mexican equivalent. Yeah. Get me Steven Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Yeah. But um, I did not mean just, to just, do that. I had to get I had to get a Simpsons reference in. That's yeah. true. Um, Steven Spielberg go. <laughs> yeah. Steven Spielberg better to go. <laughs> so Jacob's not here, so I have to do the air horn equivalent and see, like play that song on YouTube. Anyway, so yeah, so now, like I said, so all the the hoopla came out, like, hey, or you know, um, you know, I guess for, you know, and I, I've, I have seen every Star Trek film, yeah, um, at least the la- the, uh, fortunately, the last two I saw at the Cheapies, and mm-hmm. uh, seen them at the Cheapies. I think I got um, for for the late the latest one that had Idris Elba, yeah, uh, Idris Elba. That one was okay. Uh, the second one, the one that had uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and. That one sucked, Rick. Hilariously bad. It was great. Can yeah. we can we go on a Benedict Cumberbatch aside just for a moment? Yeah, certainly. Why not? What do y'all think of him? Uh, great at what he can do, uh, and, and and he's got a narrow scope, right? Right. And so I find that there's this weird uh, adoration of Benedict Cumberbatch, like he's this amazing actor, and it's like he's a good actor. No, he just looks weird and looks like and and girls like I, I guys just don't look weird. I just weird. don't understand it. I, Girls like Ingo, especially if they're English guys like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, my. This is the hill I'm dying on, mm-hmm. which is uh, you know, the, uh, the 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 number one term of art right now. Uh, no, I've used that in my last podcast. Yeah, no, everyone's. It, it's all the rage. Uh, I feel this way about Leonardo DiCaprio, a fine actor, not a great actor. I don't know why people want to treat him like I he's would a not great actor. Die on a hill for he can do two things. He can smolder and he can sh- and, and he can be really angry, and, that, and that's really what he's got. Um, and I'm tired of people saying he's great. He's fine, but he's not great. And that's the way I feel about Benedict Cumberbatch. The end. Okay. I agree with you completely. Uh, so Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> has a little bit of the walleye syndrome going on. You know, he looks like a fish, like a flounder. Mm-hmm. Like his eyes go two different directions. Or a directions. walleye. Walleyes. Yeah. <laughs> but I just was trying to describe it to you so you didn't like question it. Um, so the thing about Benedict is like, he's not that great looking of an actor, but he has a unique face. Mm-hmm. Very unique. And a lot of I women mean, are unique. attracted to unique faces, not necessarily good-looking faces. And I think that's part of his appeal. Story of my life. So we talked about Sherlock way back when, in the first episode I showed up into, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that women were like attached to that, and like the whole John Locke shipping shit. Um, mm-hmm. But like Sherlock is what they're shipping themselves with, and John is their self-insert. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't know. I I did a lot of Doctor Strange drawing and just because I like draw. I like Doctor Strange. I don't know. I, I enjoyed the film. The film was dumb, and it was kind of like late stage Marvel. Um, but like it was also kind of like late stage Marvel psychedelia, which I appreciated because right. I think they actually went to like the idea of Doctor Strange and psychedelic and music wise mm-hmm. and film wise. And like they tried to base it on Fantasia, where like the whole idea was that you get a really big visual insert into it. Mm-hmm. So he's my fa- one of my favorite Marvel actors now, which is me outing myself again and again and again as a Marvel whore. But that's the appeal. And so he's not like great looking, but he has an appeal. Like, oh look. no, I get it. Which, like, I wouldn't say I wouldn't I wouldn't use the wouldn't use the term whore. It's like it's not. Only if you are paid to do it on like a, like your own special YouTube channel. Marvel, pay me. Yeah, oh, it's like, hey everybody, thanks for tuning in again. We're gonna be doing an unboxing video of this today. I got. <laughs> I want to unbox my real doll of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, can I get a real doll? Really. Uh, sure. No, why not? Wait for the wait for the Patreon to take off first, then oh, before, shit. before we can expense yeah, any here's of that. The thing. Hello, listeners. You get you get. You can fund my real doll of Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. and I'll take video of yeah, it. Yeah, you get lonely dudes to buy your real doll for you. You know, it's a start and yeah. then premium. Mm-hmm. You talk to the real doll. No, like, I have a like Twitch those, channel. Like the right. dudes who paid for Show. the real doll want you to talk to them, but you won't. And then, like, you turn to the camera. No, and I talk to the and doll. Talk to them about how they're. So, that's what I'm saying. You talk to the doll. Mm-hmm. And then you tell the real people watching that, that they're filth. And then they just give you more money. Damn. Thank you, Garrett. And the, and I have a new marketing strategy right now. And thus, and thus, young Natasha was introduced to the world of Findamine. Yeah, Findamine. I, I actually kind of want to Findom. I think every woman should Findom for a little bit of time. That's what I think. Certainly one way to make money back for emotional labor. Speaking of fin-doming, Star Trek, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Star Trek. All right. So, the, uh, I will say that it had some, you know, it was like, it was somewhere between, like, not caring and, appra- and, so, and slight, slightly apprehensive. Of like, oh, look, they're bringing it back to a... Uh, CBS. Yeah, to, well, you know, to a TV series. And, like, except it's not. It's it's still, it's premium streaming, which is, um, maybe, you know, as a, which is weird because, like, well, just, just put it on Netflix, it's gonna it's, be it's gonna be like Yahoo Street. It's gonna be like be Yahoo Stream in two months. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty high quality for streaming only. Like like it had a real um, like premium television sort of sort of look to it. So yeah. should we should we like like pedal back a little bit and like actually talk what about what it's about or. Yeah, we can explain My, what happened in the first Star Trek, but I don't think we really need to. Uh, well, yeah, let's. Uh, where do you want to start at? Where should we start at? Well, I don't know. We like, should start at the fact that there is like some weird racial subtext with the fact that there's a white Klingon that like has to like deal with the whole part about being white in a very like. It seems like they do want to have some sort of conversation about. Um, I, I would guess contemporary racism. Racism, or, or which, or, yeah, which, but re- reverse it, white right. men's burden. Well, the, well, the, the, um, the, you know, not exactly. It was like Star Trek is pretty much, you know, I mean, from it, it, Star Trek has been shot through with like kind of like a definitely like Kennedy era progressivism from like the very start. Well, Absolutely. right, right. I mean, and so Absolutely. they've always had like you know either like full on just episodes talking about race, if not in between, so, you know, that would all wander back and forth between text and subtext. Captain, you ought to be congratulated. Never before has loci been rendered so quiescent. I will not return to Sharon with him, to a land of murdering oppressors. I told you where you were going. I allowed your fellow countrymen here simply as a courtesy. And you see how this killer repays you, as he repays all his benefactors. Benefactors? He's a liar. He raided our homes, tore us from our families, herded us together like cattle, and then sold us as slaves. They were savages, Captain. We took them into our hearts, our homes. We educated them. Yes, just education enough to serve the master race. You were the product of our love. You repaid us with murder. Why should a slave show mercy to the enslaver? Slaves. That was changed thousands of years ago. You were freed. Freed? Were we free to be men? Well, the favorite was... part about this was that the race and culture comment. I don't know if you can quote that 
directly. I, I don't remember it well enough to quote it, but... The Federation and the Klingon Empire have always been on the cold side of war. We've had only fleeting run-ins with them for a century, and now you presume to know their motivation because it is in their nature? Considering your background, I would think you're the last person to make assumptions based on race. With respect, it would be unwise to confuse race and culture. It's in the first episode, yeah, and, and they talk about, well, it's race versus culture because Klingons, their culture is about violence. They're battle-worn soldiers, warriors. Right. Well, I guess I just, um, it, it really seemed like that aspect of it, they were really trying to hammer home. And, and I understand that that was always an aspect of, like, I mean, the, the classic Star Trek episode of the people that were one color on one side. Oh, yeah. Was it black and white? I yeah, yeah they're was... black and white reversed. So that was, yeah, that was always an aspect. And of course, famously, the first interracial kiss on television was on Star Trek. And, right. Spock and um, But I do think that in this one that we were watching, it seemed like I, I, like I should, the listeners should know that we were not really focused watching it. We were watching it. No, we were focused watching it. We were, mean, watching, we, were, we, were, we were watching it with active commentary. How yeah. about that? We were not being quiet. I will say that much. And it, 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 it did take me most of the first episode to remember to turn the subtitles on so we could actually like get the dialogue. Right. Like, whatever. It's okay. I mean, we watched most of the Klingon dialogue, and it was not... I, so, yeah, my, so, my Klingon dialogue is Deep Space Nine ver- version of it with Worf and Jadzia Dax. And Jadzia Dax was able to kind of like overcome everything because she had lived many lives. And part of her lives had been with the Klingons. Mm-hmm. And so she knew their stories and mythology. And she was able to kind of inculcate herself with that culture because of that. And she was able to marry Worf because of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Like, I don't know that much about it. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a later. These are this later, 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 later plot lines yeah, on later, DS9. Later plot lines, later episodes. And then, you know, she died because she wanted to join a show with some kind of douchebag on television. Decker or something like that. I don't know what it was called. <laughs> But not the but not Tim Heidecker's Decker. No, Tim Heidecker's Decker is perfect. Was um, it Becker? Becker, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What with Ted Danson? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, she actually quit the show to go to Becker, and so she died in the show. And Worf was obviously upset. But Worf is a huge character, right? Mm-hmm. Worf got literally. He's like six six foot big guy. Something. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just Michael Dorn is huge, right? But he's also like he was one of the best parts of Next Generation, and he's also one of the best parts of Deep Space Nine. He he bridged the gap between those two shows and made them cool. And I, I'm pausing here for a moment because I'm like that was a good way to show that story happening, right? Like the Klingons to the humans, like the story. Are you talking about Deep Space Nine or yeah. Discovery? Okay. okay. Um, but Discovery. Does it in the first five minutes? I was gonna say, yeah. Let's what do you, let's do overall impressions yeah. or well, do, screw the premise. The premise is it's a prequel show. Okay, yeah. go. Yeah. So um, one thing I thought was that it, it started. What I was saying when we were watching it was it felt like it started in the second half of Act Two of something. Um, so it's a lot of action, and I guess that's pretty cool. Um, and there's a lot of uh, exposition through dialogue, which, mm-hmm. which we all commented upon about how we have to forgive. Pilots do that. Yeah, we have to for- be forgiving of it a little bit because it's a pilot. Yeah. And it was very, very, it was very, very pilot. The dialogue was very piloty. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and as, and I will say as someone that like, I've enjoyed a fair amount of Star Trek stuff, but I, I would not, I would not say that I'm deep in it. Uh, I even found the exposition and the dialogue to be a little bit tiresome, mm-hmm. and and I and it it bothers me that we're in this era of storytelling, and we kind of talked about it in the last episode, where everybody knows at very least that the thing exists, mm-hmm. and that um, I think when they're making these shows, the hope is that it's going to catch fire, people are going to think it's cool, you know, but. The, but the people who are going to think it's cool are the people that weren't on, on the it. basis of its own self, right? Like, well, yeah, so, like it's like it Star ha- Trek, so it has you have a, to love it. It has inertia, right? But but what they're tr- what they're trying to do is not pull in Star Trek fans because they know they have those people. They're trying to pull in people that what, a, a broader audience are on the periphery, right? Because right? this was at Star- very least on the periphery, right? And so one of the things I've noticed that they do not not just in this but in other things is that they they treat it with this really. I mean, I find it to be this really heavy-handed um, reverence of of what came before. Absolutely, and it's not for the people who love it. You think it's for the people who love it, but I I think it's for the no. for the I think it's for the the new people. 
Right. It's for people that go, oh, it's a Klingon, like it, me. Well, it, it, I think it's so that when people are watching it, they try to set a tone where they're saying, this is really important. And the thing is, is that... But it's lost on you if you don't have any kind of narrative influence. But it's... My, you don't have any subtext for it. My point is, is it's not that important. Like, like, it, like it, at some level, it should just be fun. And, and I feel like they're losing that. Like, how do we make this fun? Like, I didn't find it fun at it's all. It's paying fan service without any kind of service. Well, I don't know what that or, means, but... but. Or, or you mean it was kind of... It was like tr- trying to go for, like, immediately digging into... Trying to be like, like, like building, like, like being like momentous, or well, like, so it's like, so it's having a getting this trying to accumulate gravity to it, or yes, it like it. That's exactly right. Like, I think you're right. Yeah. Like so, what they're trying to do is give it this gravitas. Right and, there, we go. Gravitas, not gravity. Mm-hmm. But but no, but gra- I mean, same same, it means diff. The same difference. Yeah. So 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 for people who like Star Trek, they don't need that gravitas. Like, like, like they, they are on board. Like, like they're, they, they're going to criticize it, but they'll watch the whole fucking thing. Right. Just for, just for uh, the, just for the genre indulgence. But I would say that it works both ways though, because I think with the Klingons, like the way that they're presented them. And so this is where we got into a little bit of a kind of a contextual canonical argument was like, okay, this only takes place 10 years before new Trek. Right. Well, 10 years before original series before original series. Yeah, Kirk and Spock. And so, um, but it's past enterprise. And for me seeing the Klingons as they are, I'm like immediately like they are built into the canon of new Trek. So we're obviously on a timeline that feels like it has importance within the new Trek. They're not like, they're not like they don't have any like solidarity with canon before it. So Enterprise and TOS, as they are, who knows how they're going to actually make that happen? I think the according to the showrunners, all all of the all of the um all of the all the all the, the hype was talking about how they're they're trying to figure out a way how to like insert this into like the classic uh, the classic continuity, yeah. Rather than you know because that's the thing is like because the you know the Abrams movies they're off doing whatever their own thing. But they're still part of this, right? Like, I mean, we've got like ten percent lens flare on everything. Well, I think, well, I think Abrams, uh, they take the, I think, look and feel, yeah, and directly. And there are spots where you get, you know, plenty of lens flare. Yes, um, you have. There are definitely shots that are straight, like, like you know, the camera rotates is. Or I should say, the camera not just rotate, but it rolls. It rolls. Yeah, it, it's, it's, space you're getting like three hundred, yeah, three hundred sixty degree, like two hundred seventy yeah. degree rolls. In, and, um, and let me just say, like the opening is great. Um, Sinequa is wonderful. Um, Doug Jones is the best part of the show as a science officer because he completely questions everything. And Michelle Yao's character is great. I, I, I have no problems with the idea of it. I just want to know how it works cohesively. Because to me, a show like this does not work without a crew. A crew has to be cohesive. You have to have an engineering section. You have to have a medical section. You have to have a bridge. And so if you don't have all of those cohesive units, it doesn't make any sense to me. If you have one character that you're following the story of, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think... Oh, you mean oh, you mean from single the main, the main character versus the ensemble crew? Exactly. Okay. And yeah. we don't have... As of the first two episodes, you don't have an ensemble crew. Like, they all get... They're working their way into it, but I feel like I don't quite know who's going to live and die, so I don't really care about any of them. Is that well, I mean, it seems like, from what we saw, the only person who makes it out is uh, the gal from Walking Dead and uh, Doug Jones. And I think, like I said, it's, I I don't know who else. Like I don't know how many of the how many of the um, how many of like the the bridge crew who aren't really given much to do because they're just red shirts. Yeah, they're effectively red shirts and incense and such. I don't so, know. So you get a ton of red shirts, right? And then yeah. the, the other main character who will come back is Spock's dad, Sarek. Sarek. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Sarek that's how much I, I fucking know about Star Trek. No, no, I I think that knowing Sarek is a good part because Sarek is one of the most important characters in but, all of Star Trek. But it seems like he's definitely going to come back in this show yeah and, and yeah. every almost everybody else is we're have no certainty that they're going to come back Actually, yeah. i don't even know if, well they have to they're gonna it's like well check that he is he's not listed in the, the uh i'm going off of the imdb listings which are mm-hmm. inadequate so um it's i don't know how often he's going to be coming back but he probably won't be coming back that frequently but the, the way the, the, so the, the, the idea that so this is my favorite part of it, right? Like, so I told you my favorite character was T'Pol. And I love Vulcan women. 
because I feel like this is part of Star Trek culture that's not really explored is the idea of a science minded woman that's very science minded and very logical. Mm. And but you have Sonequa Green's character who's obviously she's a human, but she was raised in Vulcan she's raised in Vulcan pods. She's raised in Vulcan community. Raised on Vulcan, yeah. Raised on Vulcan. Um, adopted by Sarek and she has to deal with that kind of landscape being a human emotional being. So Spock was given like the, the certainty of being not just human, but also he was half Vulcan. So he had that in his brain and mind all the, his life. Um, but having your human emotional side be dominant and not that, but you're a woman growing mm-hmm. up in that Vulcan atm- like an environment, that's pretty fucking cool. Like, I think that's a really great start for a character and a great idea. I just don't know if it was explored fully because, again, like, they make her have mutiny on her captain in the Mm. first episode. And they're constantly deferring to the idea that she's been with her captain for seven seven, seven years. Seven years. And we're, yeah, we're told we're told of her history repeatedly, but you can't exactly be. You, yeah, you, you, you don't you get shoot. any idea of it, right? Yeah, it, like they, they're yeah, it was like they're shoving everything into like 80, 80 odd minutes of screen time. Exactly, and the whole idea that she's also like obviously she's kind of racially influenced by the fact that her, the the Klingons killed her parents mm-hmm. before she was adopted by Sarah and Cirque. Um and that's in itself a weird kind of thing because. I know that every kind of every Star Trek character has a racial influence, right? If you think about it, like uh, influence or prejudice, prejudice, prejudice. Okay. That's a good point. Um, we think about like Cisco, like hates Picard because he was a Borg when he killed his wife, right? Um, so he has a thing against the Borg. Um, yeah, um, Bakula's character in Enterprise, Archer, has a thing against Vulcans because Vulcans kept the space race from happening. Like mm-hmm. when the Earth, even the humans wanted to go to space, the Vulcans were like, we, "We're going to keep you down so you don't go out too soon, too fast." Right. So you take that with you. Do want? <laughs> yeah, because they don't like. I'll stop. I'll stop ranting. The human emotions. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> the, well, so. Sonequa Martin Green. I'm sorry if I said your name wrong. <laughs> so, so she um, does fine. All the acting's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing, well, I already remarked upon the thing that I've noticed, and it could be just one of those things that I think is there, but isn't, but it's this, we're supposed to have reverence for this, just because they tell us we're supposed to have reverence for it, mm. and, um, like, uh, oh shit, there was some other aspect of it that I, that, that, that I was trying, that I teased out that I think I may have lost the thread on. Which were you thinking about? Oh, I don't Just, remember. just to say it, don't, don't, don't worry about, like, actually speaking into recording, just tell me. No, no, <laughs> I, well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think I literally can't remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, how, how, what would you, what would you rate the episode? Um, like, like, like on a scale of one to five, I'd give it like, you know three maybe you know two and some change i don't i don't know i think it's a two and a change thing it's like 2.5 and it was an opening episode and so the second episode would get probably more of like a three or four yeah episode second episode stuff actually happens yeah um yeah i would give it about i think the both of them together because i mean that's it's it's like it's like it's like encounter at far point it's like it's a two-parter um exactly like you can't judge until you see the space jellyfish floating in sky right and um and John Delancey with the weird hat. Yeah. And I actually have a John Delancey action figure over in the other room because I found him at a. Can uh, I take him home with me? Uh, no. No, he was the only. He is the only next. No, actually, I take it back. I have. I have the entire. I have the. It's still unopened because I never actually opened it. I have the entire. Uh, I have the entire next gen. Uh, Pez dispenser set. Um, head. Stick on top of a Pez dispenser. I don't okay. think. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think he, John Delancey. I don't think he ever, ever actually got a uh, a Pez dispenser. Yeah. Um. You know, much to the the loss of civilization. My um. I think my my view of the show is like it was it was it was okay. It was like okay. There's some you know there's something there. Some some people care about it, but it was kind of a thing where it was um. I don't know. At least from all of the you know the hand it was it was like more it was closer to say the the pilot for for original series to of like the cage rather than say like encounter at far point which is next gen because and i tell you that because of uh the the piloty you know the, the piloty for uh the original series was like we're kind of on the same ship it's the same ship some of the characters are the same you know spock is there but it's like most of the most of the crew is going to be changed you, the, you know you get the basic idea of like this is what star trek is 
Uh, as opposed Other to, roles will be changed eventually. Yeah, as opposed to say like, you know, Encounter at Farpoint, which is later, you know, they, they keep the, you know, first episode, you know, they, you have the, you know, ship is the same, uh, the crew is the same. Now, you know, um, we're going to go off and do our f- very first thing uh, rather than, um, you know, change it up. Have you ever watched The Cage from the TOS? Um, not that I recall. It's on Netflix. And, okay. And I think it's important to watch that. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. I think they shot it in like 1964 or something like that. It's like Spock looks weird. Um, well, Michelle Barrett is like the second in command of the captain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the captain gets lost in this kind of, he, he beams down into this new territory, mm-hmm. ends up being enraptured in this vision dream thing that's happening. And Michelle Barrett is the second in, in command and obviously Gene Roddenberry's wife eventually. Um, but- I- Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I will say I was disappointed that the Siri voice on the new on the uh, on uh, New Trek, and uh, unfortunately, even in the in the reboot, uh, is uh, it they, has been that way since yeah. It, well, in there, yeah, the, but Major Barrett is like you know, there's um, at least you know, it's like computers should sound like you know, like Major Barrett. It's um, and and then unfortunately in the series, it's like it's more of a Siri voice, and I was disappointed because uh, I'm pedantic, but whatever. No, I, I'm right there with you because Michelle was part of that, right? She was kind of a part of the series. Did you ever see her any of her episodes? I don't know. Okay, have you ever seen like um, Lakshmana Troy? Lakshmana Troy, sure. That's that, that's a name. Big betazoid eyes with oh, yeah, the dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. dark, yeah, horner, a horny old lady as she would. Captain Troy, gotcha. Yeah. The Captain Troy. No, that she was the she the was... empath. Yes. The empath. Yeah. She, sure. um, uh, Major Barrett played the empath's mother. I should warn you, sir. My mother is a little eccentric. Where is everyone? Oh, I hate that. Hello, mother. No, don't say it. Think it. Use your mind, not your mouth. Hello, Mother. Diana, shame. What has this life done to you? No, no, no. Don't tell me. You're the captain. Of course. Your daughter has explained your telepathic abilities. Now, that wasn't telepathy. It was just common sense. Who else would they send to greet me but the captain? Oh, you may carry my luggage. Mother. Who would always come to... T- she'd always have like one or two episodes per... Se- per yeah, per- she'd make Captain Picard yeah, feel yeah, uncomfortable yeah. all the time. That was... Yeah, she was in the... She was trying to get with... Picard. She wanted right. to fuck him real hard. Is that, that w- when she is that are those the episodes where he wore his like flirty little skirt thing? Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just kidding, but uh I, I wanna believe. That was um from I think freshman year, one uh, a guy on my dorm floor who was from Panama City talked about how they, they brought her to they put on a con, uh, a con there and they brought her to it and she they said that she was just fucking hilarious like she was you know dirty old lady but like just full of stories and just you know you know could you cursing her head off and just telling like, the the funniest stories too so i'm for, at least from that account i'm guessing Luxana troy uh was a very thinly veiled version of who uh, major barrett was in real life okay which is something that makes me happy captain even Zeno never had such thoughts about me you may energize was meant as a joke captain i was not amused actually i i would love to believe that she was that person yeah another thing about um just it's more of a it's more of a criticism of modern tv uh than anything else but it's like they were doing it in this in this thing where like so the person who's our main protagonist which is uh i'm sorry what's the woman's name again sonequa martin green that one yeah uh michael braham i think mm-hmm. her name was michael yeah Something like that. Yeah, Michael. Her, her name is Michael. Uh, so every show has some, you know, you have some troubled character with a dark backstory and you figure, you know, you find out what it is. And, well, especially and, women. Women always have a troubled, yeah, troubled backstory. Maybe that's right. I don't know. But, but, but it's it, the only way it, they get to the top. I find it a little tiresome and, and, and it's something that is. I like to, I like is to kind of off putting uh, about, about, about prestige tv for me right now is like is like we can't i don't know the thing about star trek that i liked was that like is that these people have themselves figured out you know what i mean and yeah i agree and, with and, you completely and they're they're put into these scenarios where they're tested right mm-hmm. but um but 
they have their core, they have their conviction. And then, right. and then to take, so, they do it with everything. I mean, The like, deep psychological cut does not have to happen in the first episode. Well, it doesn't have to happen at all. If like, it like happens, the, it happens. Like the whole point of like, we were just talking about the, the, the new Superman movies. And, yeah. it, and it's like, we don't need a tortured Superman. Like, like it, it's okay if, if Superman's persecuted because society doesn't understand him, but he doesn't need to be tortured. Yeah. And... And I, I'm tired. I'm tired of it. Like, 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 and and um, I saw that happening. So we're supposed to have this deeply conflicted character that she's this, she's a human who's raised by Vulcans, and that she it, it somehow she hates it's somehow meaningful her meaningful to her to be like a Vulcan. But there's no reason to suppose why that would be the case because she like the dude uh, uh, Spock's dad say his name Sarek. again Sarek. Is not nice to her. He's not kind to her. I mean, we have this. No- we have this kind. notion that he raised her, uh, and that, that, that I guess she has some sort of debt that she owes. There, but it's like I agree with you. I, I don't see it. I don't understand. Like, like you have to have this conflicted protagonist. Well, you have to have this okay, anti-hero. So what I think uh, is it, you're you're hitting the nail on the head of is the fact that she doesn't have any internality. She doesn't have any internal intention. Like. Her stuff is all based on whether or not, like, her parents died by Klingons or whether she decided to be in Starfleet. And she doesn't have any kind of, like, impetus in the sense of she's raised by Vulcans, but that's all a very logical-based society, and mm-hmm. they don't have any emotional internality. She, if, we, if, we don't, if, we, if we don't see throughout this series that she has an emotional base, like she has a connection to her life and her reality then she will be kind of an empty character. And if you're seeing her at this very basis as what she is, like she's empty. Well, well, yeah, I I guess I kind of, I I think I, I think I agree with you. Like, like there's, there's this aspect to which like we're being shown that she's a human raised by Vulcans and that, um, that is supposed to be some sort of constituent part of her inner conflict. But I guess I just, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's some of the stuff is just, I think we, if nothing else, it seems like we, uh, so much of it can be attributed to the fact that, the, yeah, it, this is, I mean, we've seen the pilot and. Yeah, we saw his, the pilot. Yeah, historically. And never the pilot is good. Never. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's always, it's either kind of, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty disappointing. It's usually kind of like, well, that's, I guess that's a start, but that's the thing is, it's, you know, historically, Star Trek series take like a year. Mm-hmm. They, they yeah, take, it, it, takes, it takes a season to really start. Um, I mean, even like, yeah, even like the Simpsons took a season. I can speak to that. Like I watched uh, Voyager and for seven years of it and uh, (laughs) I watched all of Enterprise (laughs) twice. So that should be eight years, really. Um, And I loved all of it and I I dealt with all of it. And I think a lot of it, too, is just knowing that there's an end to it, Hmm. except for the end of Enterprise, which should be written out of history. I don't believe it exists. Is he nervous? Wouldn't you be? Oh, he'll be fine. I had to memorize this speech in grammar school. You wish you could tell them all that this alliance will give birth to the Federation. I think I'm ready to talk to Captain Picard. I should have done it a long time ago. So I guess we're through here. I guess we are. Computer? And program. There is a fat Riker and a fat Troy that show up at the end. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not joking with you. Like they're literally in the hollow suite. Yeah. Reliving the end of the enterprise. Yeah. Computer in program. It's horrible. <laughs> and trip dies and it's awful. Well, all I'll fuck I'll, you writers. Fuck <sighs> you. All I'll say is someone who's not that invested in Star Trek. I'm, I, I am in no way compelled to keep watching this Star Trek. I'll see. We'll I see am. what happens. I mean, I'll watch it. But I know that you wouldn't. I'm not going to, and and I don't watch all sorts of shit. So it's what fine. does that what does that mean? Yeah, you know I no, I, mean? I completely agree with you. Like the Klingons are kind of a mess. Uh, they're great, but they're also kind of racially charged in a way that I don't want to really associate. I will with. say the Klingons, I had no problem with. <laughs> a lot of them was like it was a mix. Of, um, there was like wow, so sorry to disagree. I'm no, not, no, 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 absolutely not. Disagree. There's a lot of order. There's a yeah, they're 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 they're, they're, they're even more orkier than like ever. Yeah, like doing just that's the thing. It's like some of the visual design. It's like wait, how do you tell if you? It's like telling the characters apart. I just can't tell the characters apart, and that's the problem with me. Like I don't give a shit. They have 13 episodes. We'll see what they can do. We can see what they yeah, can do. Yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I'll hope for recaps from y'all, but yeah. I, I'm not going to keep watching We're it. We're not going to fill you in. Could you do a recap I wouldn't have even started watching it if, if you know, we weren't going to record yeah. about it. So. Sorry. That's true. No, that's fine. No, it's like, I hate this shit. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. It's just... It, no, no, you don't hate it, but you probably are, like, done with it. Like, I was... Well, I think I personally... I was curious to see, like, okay, at the... In twenty, you know, after in twenty seventeen, and that where CBS itself is trying to do this, you know, they're trying to do the Yahoo Screen thing of like we're going to take this ser- this love series because Yahoo. If you remember Yahoo Screen, they gra- they grabbed they bought commu- the the last season of Community on this this brand new like streaming network, which kind of died because they yeah, Yahoo died. had no idea how to, how to promote a streaming service. Yeah, um, among other things. Um, I I don't know. Well, it's it, for my thing. I was just curious. Like, how do you do a proper like, um, a proper you know not not with like the big you know the big huge every f- three or four years huge you know Abrams films. You know, how do you do regular episodic Star Trek in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen or whenever you're whenever you're listening to this? Do it, be, don't be an asshole. But, Put women in it and don't make them all like secondary characters which they have like they've really actually done really well with that and i believe that they can do well with it but i also kind of i don't really believe in them and i i don't mean to say that in a mean way i just mean to say it like can you do a female centered narrative can you can you and we'll find out we'll find out all right let's take a quick break and we'll back in a minute for recommendations sure all right, and now it's time for your favorite segment of the show. This is time for you know, recommendations and endorsements and God knows what else. Um, all right, uh, Tasha, you go first. I will go first very easily. I will go into American Gods. All you need to do is watch the intro to the show because it is the most beautiful motion graphics moment in my life. They do a totem pole, but it's all American, and they have cars and rocket ships. <laughs> and neon and it's beautiful and it's also brian filler production and it's also neil gaiman and neil gaiman is one of my favorite authors of all time and i read this book over and over again until it fell apart into my hands because it was so great and they actually put it into text like into a like beautiful tv show and cloris leachman playing a dark polish goddess of like the dark. Yeah, which is what we've always wanted from Cloris yeah. Leachman. Yeah, and you know, you have Peter Stormare playing like the butcher god. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, he's also has experience playing Satan before. Exactly. Constantine is one of my favorite movies of all time and I will die on that. Is that a good movie? Hill. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. It is. It's. It actually I think it... I haven't seen it since we saw it at the theater. The casting is all, the everything except for the... I think it would have been far better and far... Had they not uh, had they not cast um, Kinu as it, everything else but the the actual script and all the other bits about it actually were very were very true to. Yeah, Constantine does what, not look like Keanu at yeah. all. Like in in text, he is supposed to look like Sting, so he looks like a they like couldn't, they couldn't blonde. Get Sting. Yeah, but like Keanu plays that part so perfectly. I love him so much. <laughs> I like Keanu Reeves a lot. I, and Rachel Vice. That actually ties in. I don't actually have recommendations right now. Okay. But I'll talk about things that I watched recently. All right. Okay. One I watched for the first time, and the other one I saw for the thousandth time. One was uh, Point Break with Keanu Reeves. You and finally watched Point Break? Finally. Get out of here. I've seen that movie a Good. million times. Okay. Um, I was trying to own you. Um, I, love, <laughs> I love that movie, but it is about 20 minutes too long. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, it just proves to me that Patrick Swayze... Uh, um, Great actor. It can do anything he wants, and uh, I love him. Could do anything he wants. And uh, the other thing I watched for the first time, we talked about this yesterday, is mm-hmm. a little movie called Flashdance. Oh, and dear. The most feminist movie of 1980-something. Yeah, it was early 80s, and, and, and it, it actually is... Uh, it was... I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought I would enjoy it, but it, it's actually a better movie than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, Absolutely. Like, it, I, anyway... I saw Flashdance. I would recommend it, uh, but I don't know that I have any. Tell me one more why you recommend it, though. Why would Your I? Your lady rec- friend McKendry told you a little bit about it. Why would I recommend it? Uh, well, I I do think that the um, I mean, I feel like the the character that Jennifer Beals plays is is really feels really natural. 
Um, I feel like, I don't know. I just, it's, it's. She's trying to be a dancer, but she's also a welder. Mm-hmm. And she's from the working class, but she's got aspirations. It's a, it's an underdog story. But also, I like the idea that you told me that she actually initiates every one of her sexual contacts. Yeah. So, so well, that's what the interesting thing about it was that it is. It seems like it was for the time, and I, I wasn't. I, I was believe a, it. I was a child at the time, but but yeah, it, I was like Pretty Woman was a big thing then, and Pretty Woman was all about yes, we'll have sex, but you are a whore. Yeah. So this was oh. the. Pretty pretty woman actually came like six years after. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this but was... I grew up on that, so oh, I must okay. have watched the same thing at the same time. So, so yeah. I will say that Flashdance yeah. was like very female centered, and 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 that her sexuality was very much in her control in that in that film, and mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't done like they weren't hammering you, they weren't hammering it uh, uh, as a point. Yes, like like it, it actually like McKendry pointed it out to me, friend of the show. Uh, that that like every sexual encounter that she has with the 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 the, the lead who is not uh, Chris Sarandon but looks like him. Uh, I want to believe it's Chris Sarandon. <laughs> um, um, she initiates uh, uh, intimacy every time, and I and that I think that is an interesting point. And how much of that movie was such a cult, a cultural touchstone, like all the things like leg warmers and uh, yeah. and and ripped up jeans. I really think ripped up jeans started there. And she lived in this loft, like w- which was an old warehouse, which is like that was probably a chic thing at the at the time, but it was just beginning to be. And this was probably the first time like I was people it was in the South fly Seattle. Out. I don't know if it was really South Seattle, but it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I, it was Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah. But Shit. watch it. Uh, um. Um. But but she has this. She has this you know, warehouse space that she's converted to this cool, you know, you know, you know, bachelorette pad. Mm -hmm. And I really think that was probably like, like the first time people in the flyover States ever saw that sort of thing. So, yeah. So it's actually, I, I can't be certain, uh, cause you know, I'm not going to like get this deep into it, but it's, it really seems like a lot of things that we think of as eighties things started with that movie. And, uh, well, and I thought that was kind of bucket of water on yourself is pretty standard. <laughs> yeah, and so I thought it was pretty neat, and it was it was an interesting thing because like I've I've gotten really into musicals lately, so and musicals by that time are it re- was a musical. Well, they were really starting to die out, so it was it was a way to have dance numbers in something like serious choreographed dance numbers that uh, wasn't a musical because people didn't want to see musicals that much anymore. So mm. so anyway, Absolutely. I liked Flashdance. Awesome. I'm happy you did. I, uh, even though I was uh, just barely old enough to be, I think I was eight or nine years old when it, when it, when it kind of surfaced, I, you know, n- never actually saw the flick other than it's just kind of like, it's, you know, pop ephemera. My recommendation on the, it was a film I saw last, uh, this Saturday, this last Saturday downtown, uh, it was a documentary released in 1971 called The Murder of Fred Hampton, which is a, a actually it was shot it was and edited. Murder. Yeah, shot and uh, Fred Hampton was very you know, was a extremely charismatic. He was a guy who um, pretty much uh, became chapter head of you know he was chairman of the Chicago Black Panthers. I think a position that he attained when he was maybe nineteen or twenty years old in nineteen sixty eight or so. And so we say we always say the Black Panther Party. That they can do anything they want to us. We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you can remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. You're going to have to say that I am a proletarian. I am the people. I'm not the pig. You've got to make a distinction. And the people are going to have to attack the pigs. The people are going to have to stand up against the pigs. That's what the pastors are doing. That's what the pastors are doing all over the world. He was. If you ever get a chance, just go on YouTube and Google Fred Hampton. The film was being edited and released about the, uh, the same year, but not before the COINTELPRO papers were actually released. And like in the the program that the uh, that like because it's effectively he uh, Fred Hampton was murdered uh, in December of 1969 at the age of 21 by kind of like the uh both the FBI and the Chicago PT working together and even ha- they even it's not mentioned in the documentary because I think it came out later but the CBD actually had an informant in you know in the group the guy who who actually wound up drugging Fred Hampton that night the night because he died in a raid um mm-hmm. 
And it is it is a lot of just a lot of just great documentary footage of him both speaking um, there. It's 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 a it's an early 70s documentary. So it's kind of like the the rhythms and the editing are slightly different than what we're used to. And I think it, it might it, it, it almost it, it, the, the, the pacing is kind of weird at certain parts. But just for just, you know. All of the um, like the most important footage of him, like you know, talk addressing crowds in Chicago. Yeah, he and like I said, he was a great guy. It was one of those things where um, he was one of the ones who really started, like you know, he was like helped started like the 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 Panther, you know, the 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 free the free breakfast program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which they even had a version of that here in Portland. And there's even a little marker up on the corner of North Williams and North Russell. It's fucking sad we had to fight for that, and it's not really existent anymore. It really is just fucked up on yeah. so many levels. I think that there's, I hope that there's like a really good narrative Fred Hampton film to come in the next five years. Yeah, let's a narrative say. story. I think, I think it's, to tell I, his story, I, like I really how it should be. And so you know, that is my recommendation of... It is. It's not the most complete document of it because of like a lot of stuff would come out later about what exactly happened and, yeah. um, but yeah, like I said, just just go find it's the, the entire doc. It's about ninety minutes. The document the documentary is on YouTube in full called "The Murder of Fred Hampton," mm -hmm. and that is what I got. All right. Uh, last thing, do we have Thank any? Uh, let's see. Anyway, uh, do you guys have anything? You um, how can folks get in touch with you or anything you want to promote or anything or not or final words yet. or. Yeah. I mean, it's the same as last time. You can go to honkytonkunion.com. That's one of the groups I sing in. Um, and uh, I'm at Comrade Garrett on Twitter, but I haven't done Twitter shit in weeks, and I'm not sure that I will. But uh, I don't know. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, go If you're in Portland, go to the Landmark on a Wednesday. It's usually like not the only Wednesday. It's like mm -hmm. the second from last Wednesday or whatever. The, yeah. the Landmark Saloon. The Landmark Saloon's a good place to go if you're feeling bad. Yeah, I sing there very often. And somebody so. breaks up with you and you want to hear a good song. <laughs> like Garrett, I was like, I'm going to put $5 in your tip jar. You're going to sing me a song about breaking up with I, somebody. I sang Natasha a breakup song yep. last time. At her, at, at her request. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> I'm reachable at Ashes for Foxes on Tumblr and Twitter. And my new handle is Cyborg Harpy. But that's my only Tumblr blog that I'm actually proud of. So, all right. And oh, and one last thing: our uh, as mentioned at the top of the show, we now have a Patreon active. If you uh, are enjoying uh, what we've been doing um, these last few months, feel free to go to the Patreon at Patreon.com/slash Giving the Mic. It is a way you can kind of give us a little automatic monthly donation of. A dollar, and even up to if you want to give us a little bit more, up to five dollars. We're uh, going to be starting up. So Jeremy is starting a cat pics feed, and I'm going to be posting pictures of my cat and me together. If you're okay with that, certainly, I'll be putting them in that feed. All right, as well as we we will be recording little backer uh, backer backer premium episode. Well, if not episodes, at least short little bits. Epplets. Epplets. Yes. Yep. Uh, epaulets, but not the one, not the kind that you wear on your shoulders. So once again, that's at Patreon. <laughs> or maybe, oh. or maybe. Um, but I think honestly, like between all three of us, like we could probably post like a short period segment on something we love and do it right. Mm -hmm. And that'll be at Patreon.com/slash Giving the Mic. Uh, as always, uh, find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash Giving the Mic. Uh, if you if you want to get in touch with the show, it is giving the mic at gmail.com. Twitter's giving the mic, uh, one word. And um, with that, it has been a late night. I want to thank everybody for uh, thank my guests for joining me here on this kind of um, semi spur of the moment recording session. And uh, anything last thing you guys want to say? No, just uh, be well. Signing off. All right. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Especially if he dresses like a clown. Yeah. Oh dear lord! What kind of a clown fuckers tonight? Were you um, clown fuckers incorporated? Were you Were you living in Portland when the kids in the hall came through last?
No, but Darren went and saw him. Yeah, I got to meet him that night. They were cool. Yeah, I heard at, it was a really great show. At the um, if you there's ever an act that is at that is performing at the Snitzer, the they were almost they will uh, almost always be staying at the Heathman, which is right next door. Okay, that's where I'm gonna go hang um, out, and I'm gonna dress up in costume. McKendry has a pretty a pretty funny story about seeing Bruce McCullough. Oh. Uh, before it wasn't when the kids in the hall were in town. He yeah. was he was part of the touring group of the Moth. You know that that Even M- that NPR yeah. show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and she had this thing where she was like staring at him because she was like, "Where do I know that guy from?" <laughs> and then and then he had a moment of like, "This person recognizes me," but she was like, "I recognize him," but she doesn't know from where. I bet that that poor bastard gets it all the time. And it was just a weird. I don't know. It's it's a pretty you know. It's not like it's not like a mind blowing story, but it's 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 pretty humorous. No, I've been interested in listening to the Moth for a long time, but it's sort of one of those NPR podcasts where it's like the normies listen to it. Well, yeah, and and <laughs> Sorry. at some point you you want everyone wants normies to listen to their podcast. Well, because, same because I do. There are there are always uh, there are always million mo- millions more of them. So yeah, yeah. we're 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 really trying to break through to normies. I would like to break through the normies tonight. So whatever you love, whatever you like, I'm here for you. But then we have to do things that we hate, like compare politics to Game of Thrones or... Or make stamps.com advertisements. <laughs> which uh, which Jacob did do at the end exactly, of, uh, that's at the end of the last one. Exactly, referencing. Yeah. I'm going Pitney Bowes, though. Pitney Bowes? Yeah. They're, which one is Pitney Bowes? There's two companies that are allowed to... Like sell stamps and well, stamps.com is one of them, and the, there's actually three, including stamps.com. Pitney Bowes is one, mm. and the other one I don't remember the name of, but I've worked cor- you know, I've worked corporate mm-hmm. jobs for long enough that it's like there's two, and they're both fucking awful. Like they're they're horrible to deal with, and so like if you need to get, but Pitney Bowes seems to be lesser of two evils. No, they're both uh, they're both abysmal. Uh, oh, okay. N- none of them are good. Well, none of go them are deepest good. into hell if you want to. But... <laughs> Pitney Bowes. Yeah. Pitney Bowes. Pitney Bowes. Best of the worst. Um, I should hang on. I should change your channel. So you're actually, you're going through a compressor instead of not. You go up here and. Who, me? Well, no, I'm going to, I think I'm going to put. Probably me. I'm going to put. Oh, put Natasha through the compressor the worst, so it, the worst. it keeps so up the it keeps up the you would her, her hate sound my level. podcast setup story where I was like well, hang on a second don't tell it yet don't tell it yet there we go ah uh, damn it Jeremy is <laughs> destroying his rig so I um I uh overdosed on my medication which is amitriptyline I've been taking a half dose for the last two months to make you sleep um, yeah, it's my sleep medication, but it's also it's for it's for a, a for migraines, B for depression, which I have, mm-hmm. and it's an old tricyclic depression depressant. And I took fifty milligrams instead of twenty five milligrams after taking twenty five milligrams for about two weeks. And I wake up at ten o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I have to record at eleven, and I have to set up my my. My, I have to set up my podcast. Oh my god! I gotta set up my mixer. Yeah. I have to do a mix. And, minus and, setup. And, and you have not done this before. Well, I've done it before, but I have done it drunk. And you know how you do something drunk, and then you like have to do it drunk again. Mm-hmm. So I wake up in the morning, and I have to do it again. And I swear to God, I spend 15 minutes figuring out that I have to plug my headphone into my digital recorder to make mm-hmm. myself listen to the. Real you know, mix. I, I've I've been a gigging musician for a long mm-hmm. time, and and what that means. You know, at the at the level that I play at, which is quite low, uh, there's a lot of you get to a place and there's no one to run sound and uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and 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 even people that are great at uh, I'm so glad I'm the only one. Even people who are great at working PA machines are like uh, it takes them quite a while to figure out how whatever you know fucking uh, botch work. Well, I feel better now. Yeah.